to dive into the message today. Uh, I, we've been in a series called The Church Is, uh, and if you have your message notes, you can pull them out now. We provide those each and every week uh, so that you have uh, notes to take home with you. Um, it's, it's so important to me that you leave here not only inspired, but empowered and equipped to go and study what we've talked about. Go and dive deeper into the word. Um, you know, our, our, go our, our goal is not to make fans, but followers. Uh, men and women who will dive in, teenagers who will dive in, children who love God. Now, I do recognize that not everybody here is a part of the church, and some of you are investigating the claims of Christ. And I would tell you, you're in the right place. You don't have to believe to belong. Uh, you found a safe place. Don't care if you're agnostic, uh, you know, Buddhist, uh, Muslim, it doesn't matter to me. Just come and hear and investigate if Jesus is real or not. You found a great place to do that. Um, and so, in fact, tonight we're going to have Next Steps. That's our uh, class that helps you get connected to the church, learn more about the church. Also allows you to discover your gifts, your unique makeup, how God designed you. We believe design reveals destiny. And so I want to encourage you tonight, if you're kicking the tires, you say, hey, I would love to know more about the church. I want to come and get involved. Maybe you want to start serving tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, we will facilitate it actually in our next-gen auditorium. Uh, and I'll be leading that, and our staff and team will be here. We'll have food and child care. It's all provided. You, there won't be shuttle service tonight. You just show up, pull up right here at the closest parking spot, and I'd love to get to meet you and know you and Phyllis as well and our entire staff. So uh, that happens tonight. Now, the message today, we are in a series that we've been in for the last uh, four weeks. We're going to go a couple more weeks uh, with this series. Um, and the premise or the point of it is, that as a church, we must remember that we're not employing God to build our church. He's employing us to build his. That the church is God's idea. And if it's God's idea, then we must understand what his idea is. Uh, otherwise, we've hijacked his vision and put his label on our vision. And so our responsibility is to say, okay, God, what's your vision? God, what is church and uh, there was a day where you would believe most people know what the church is all about right I, I'm 44 years young and I was raised in church and I was raised in a generation where everybody went to church like it was pretty uncommon if you found someone that didn't go to church um, and nowadays it's pretty uncommon to find someone who regularly goes to church attends a church um, there are people that have never been in church, and I know if you're my age and you were raised in church, it's hard to believe that, but there are people in this room right now that have never even been stepped foot in a church until today. Can you believe that? And so if we're coming together as the church, which is God's idea, uh, we've got to recognize for us to walk together in unity, we have to have a foundation of unity. We've got to understand what we believe. We've got to understand uh, what his intent was. See, God designed the church because he wants the worship. He wants to disciple believers, and then he wants to reach the world. And so as believers, when we come in, the reason we're so excited about worship, we raise our hands and we sing, is not because it makes us all feel comfortable. Some of you probably felt very uncomfortable. And I want you to know that's okay because the church is not here to make you feel comfortable. Well, what you mean? You no, know, no, no. That was a movement that happened in 1961. It was the church growth movement, and out of that came a seeker-sensitive movement. And that was awesome. 
But if we're not careful, it, it begins to twist our understanding of God because then we begin to think church is all about you. No, 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 no. Church ain't about you. The church is the bride of Christ. It's about Jesus. And there's going to be times you come into church and you feel good and I inspire you. We laugh. And then there's going to be times you're like, oh, that was painful. But it was good. See, how I many know you can teach the truth in love and not condemnation? And so what we have to do is we have to recognize that there are moments that I'm going to be challenged. I, I don't read everything in the Bible and say, wow, that is so amazing. Like what, this crucify your flesh? Oh, Jesus, I love that. No, who wants to do that? Nobody. Love those who hate you. Be kind to those who persecute you. No, no, nobody wants to do that. And if we create a church full of consumers, then you'll miss the point. You'll leave when people start talking about you or you don't get your way, not recognizing that that's how we truly demonstrate we're Christians. And then what happens is the weight of God's glory falls in a church that understands that it's his vision, his mission, his purpose. See, we're hungry for the weight of God's glory, but we hadn't built a foundation that will sustain it. And so that's what this series has been, is we're going to build a foundation that will sustain the weight of God's glory. Matthew 16, 18 has been our theme verse, um, and Jesus is talking to the disciples, and I love what he says. He says, I will build my church. It's his church. It's not our church. It's his church, and he's going to build it. What's that mean? God wants his church to grow. I, I don't believe somebody says, oh, God's just okay if we stay s small. And listen, I understand it's okay. But the reality is there should be addition because of salvation. There should be addition because of evangelism. There should be addition because of effectiveness. There should be addition. Now, I'm not quantifying the addition, but you ought to be growing. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. And that's what's happened right now. Thousands of churches every month close their doors. They're dying. Well, they were dying a long time ago. They just got caught up to today. And so we recognize and celebrate that all churches will be at different sizes, but we also recognize it's God's will that churches grow. And we're not going to stop and we're not going to apologize because we're growing. We're not going to slow down because it makes others not feel good or comfortable. I'm not here to make you feel comfortable. I'm here to advance the kingdom of God. I'm here to see the lost saved, blind eyes healed, the deaf hear, the, the dead raised spiritually and physically. And to be the hands and feet of Jesus and then let him, he's, it's up to him the results. Ours is we just got to do what God's told us to do. And so knowing God, we are the ecclesia. That's that word right there, the ecclesia, the gathering of believers, the gathering. And, and in this word, it was the physical gathering. Now, listen, we love that we have an online family. That's a great place to start, but you can't finish there. Like you got to pull back in, like, like I love this movement that's happened, the online church. And I, it, it's an amazing thing because my grandparents who came every single week, they would be sitting right there. Uh, they're not able to be here because of health issues and challenges. But guess what? After the second service, they attend the 1130. I get a text from granny, grandpa and I, we attended the 1130 service and, uh, my grandfather's struggling with dementia. And she's like all week, he's not in his right mind, but when church starts, his right mind comes and he starts aiming man and pastor. He, he was concerned. <laughs> he, he was concerned that I got fired when I was on sabbatical. He said, Rosalie, I think they fired him. <laughs> She's like, Gary, they didn't fire him. He's on a sabbatical. I don't believe you. I hadn't seen him in a long time. 
He was real happy when I got back. But you know, it's funny, every week he, he responds to the altar. He stands up, Granny will say, he'll raise his hands. And you say, stand up, Grandpa stands up. And then right after the service, he kind of goes back to, to wherever he was at before. So I'm appreciative of the online, but the reality is unless you're like that, you gotta find a place to have a home. Relationships are meant to be face-to-face. -face. Thank God for Zoom, but you weren't intended to be educated through Zoom, it's on-site together church school everything life is meant to be lived together and more so with the church they ate bread house to house and they fellowshiped with one another they prayed together and so that's the the ecclesia and there is a movement that is happening look the church was never intended to be a religious institution it's a movement that's how come we could grow at BF Terry and we're going to grow here. doesn't matter where we're at. We're going to grow. Why? Because it's a movement. We are the movement. Why? Because Jesus was the movement. And when Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came inside of us. So God himself is in us. So we are now a part of the movement. So everywhere we go, there ought to be movement. Everywhere you go, the church is present. We have church on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It all happens through our small groups. And so house churches are happening all over. Over 50 house churches are happening through our small groups each and every week. Well, that's church. And then, then the ecclesia comes together on a Sunday. Forsake not the gathering of yourselves, the assembling of yourselves. Even back then, they didn't have COVID back then, but people were saying, nah, I ain't got to go to church. Paul's like, no, 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 no. You got to go to church. Like there is something about people gathering together. God moves in, in spectacular ways corporately that he doesn't always do individually. The Holy Spirit was poured out in a corporate experience. Come on, I'm telling you, God moves when there. So, so don't, don't ever, don't, don't mistake when God moves here, he, he's got the agenda. Anything can happen. I always say Jesus is here. Anything can happen. It's his church. You know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of the old school. We, we grew up charismatic, and uh, the, the pastors had come out of Pentecostalism, and Tommy Tenney used to come to the church. And if you know anything about God Chasers, that was a big fad back then. Not fad, but his, his book and all the... And I'll never forget reading the story of, of Tommy Tenney preaching somewhere, and the podium he was preaching on literally split in half, and everybody fell to their face. God's presence moved in such a powerful way in that place. Don't be surprised if something like that happens. But you don't manufacture that. You don't have to make, and here's the other deal, when something like that happens, ain't nobody getting credit but God. There's no attention to people. That's the challenge sometimes. It's like, is that really God or is that you? Anyway, we won't meddle there. Come on, somebody. I want to dive into the message today in Matthew chapter 16, 24 through 26. I want to read this and I want to share just a couple of points. Some things that uh, with us understanding that the church is God's idea, uh, we have had this phrase that has been building. It's the church exists to worship God, to equip believers, and to reach the world. So to worship God, equip believers, and reach the world. And the, if you get them out of order, what you build is different. So it's not just getting all the ingredients. How many know when you bake, it's important to get the instructions done in order? Well, building the church is the same thing. Look, we're here to worship God. We talked about that in week one, uh, how, how God has given us the yod and the kabod. And we bring our yod, which is what he asks for, which is the raising of our hands. Why? Because it's his preference. 
Come on, it's his preference. Not because I'm comfortable, but God, God prefers it. Why? Because the psalmist talk all about how raise your hands. Sing and the harp and the lyre. God loves music. You might not like music, but God loves music. This is his church. We're here to worship him. Then we're here to equip believers, disciple them. We ought to make disciples. You ought to be better next year because you've been here for a year if, you've, if you just started. Look, if we're not getting better, we're not raising disciples. And then lastly, we go reach the world. But that's out of the overflow. The problem is so many people are trying to reach the world, but you don't have any of God on the inside of you. So all they see is you. Well, nobody wants more of you. That's what they got. We've got to have more of us, full of God, and then we take what we have to the world, and then the world says, oh, that looks, that's how you got the word Christian. Like, it's, the Christian came because it was Christ-like. It was like, oh, my God, they look like Jesus. That's, so the question that I've been asking is, if you were put on trial for your faith, would you be convicted? So today I'm going to continue on the second part, equip believers, creating disciples. And so uh, Matthew 16, 24 through 26, this is one of those messages that we're going to dive into it. I don't know how much we're going to laugh, but uh, it's, going to, it's going to be good. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, so Jesus is talking, and if you'll remember, he had had the disciples uh, over and talking about, hey, who do you say that I am? Who do they say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And he says, yes, it wasn't you that discovered that. God reveals it. That's where we just read the theme verse that Jesus is building his church. The powers of hell will not conquer it. And then Jesus begins to tell them how he's going to die. He's setting some expectation. He's going to suffer. He's going to die. He's going to be put at the hands of the religious leaders, and he's going to give his life as a ransom. So he tells them that. Now, how many know when someone's telling you what's going to happen to them? Okay, cool. I got it. But I don't, they didn't even realize it because the response after the crucifixion showed they didn't even hear. How many have ever been listening but didn't hear? Come on, spouses. You know you're driving in a car. Someone's talking. And they're like, hey, did you hear me? Oh, yeah, well, what did I say? Uh, I don't know, but it was really good. Have you ever been doing something and your kids are talking to you and you're multitasking? So I feel like the disciples, you know, that I don't know what they're doing, but you know they're distracted. But then Jesus begins to address them. So he now turns it from himself and what he's going to go through to now I want you to know to be my disciple, this is what it's going to take. He says, if anyone wishes to follow me, now this is the amplified version. I love the amplified. It, what it does, it takes the original word and it puts these brackets to kind of help us better understand the original intent because our translation, the English translators, we don't have enough words to translate the original words accurately always. We, we learned about that in the Holy Spirit series. Um, and so here I love it because he's just going to break it down, the, the, the translator. If, if anyone wishes to follow me, so this is Jesus, come follow me. He says, as my disciple, he must deny himself. Look, set aside selfish interest. Woo! Come on, that, that don't get a whole lot of shouts. But if I said, you're too blessed to be stressed, come on, right? But see, Jesus didn't come to build fans. He came to build followers, disciples. And that's where the church, like that, I'm just more committed than ever after COVID and people falling away and lo like I'm building, we, we ain't going to build fans. It's going to be disciples. And the best way to know if I'm a disciple is to first know what it's going to cost me. Like we don't come to Jesus for all the benefits. 
Like because he's going to bless me, give me great health and success and all those things. Yeah, those things will happen. We come to Jesus because we are lost sinners dying and going straight to hell. And Jesus paid the price for our sins, which was the eternal separation from God. And the blood of Jesus saves us. That's it. If God never does another thing for us, that's enough. And so he says, set aside your selfish interests. Take up his cross. Now, back then, crosses here are symbols of cool trend. You know, we hang them in our, in our houses. We wear them across our necks. But back then, when you saw a cross, you knew someone was tortured. And the Romans had an amazing way of making people suffer. And so the cross was a symbol of death and suffering and pain. And so you can imagine the disciples, hey, I thought you were coming to overthrow the Roman government. The oppressors physically, and Jesus continued to point back, it's not an earthly kingdom, it's a heavenly kingdom. The kingdom of God is like, because they didn't understand. They're like, all we know is as Jews were being oppressed by the Roman conquerors. And, and so they're like, Jesus, you're my deliverer from the Romans. And he's like, no, I'm your deliverer from yourself. Yeah. We take care of that. Everything else takes care of itself. He says, follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living and if need be suffering and perhaps dying because of faith in me. For whoever wishes to save his life in the world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in the world for my sake will find it. That is life with me for all eternity. The only thing certain in life is death. And so if you go out there trying to pursue and build your own life, he's like, look, that's, that's what's certain death and the consequences of living separated from me. But if you'll give your life away, if you'll surrender your life, if you'll follow my example, if you'll let go of all the selfish desires and, and come and follow me, he says, listen, you're going to die, but I, you're going to have eternal life. That's how come funerals for Christians are celebrations of life. Why? Because it's a, it's a pass through. Look, I never forget, my dad passed away in November. Hardest thing we've, we've ever been through. Wasn't expecting it, dad was doing good. We had no, no signs of him passing away. And uh, I, my pastor called me, Pastor Chris Hodges, and um, he calls me and we were talking. He said, hey, listen, and I'm all distraught. You know, I'm all mad, you know, dad left and frustrated just, just like everybody else would be. It's like, why, you know, we're in the building. Could he wait until the building? And you know, the book, we waited till the book, you know, all the, and Chris said, Pastor Chris said, hey, listen, if your dad could come back, he wouldn't. He's in the presence of God. Nobody would come back. That's why it's a celebration. It's sad for us, but I promise you, as you step into eternity, everything that you ever went through here for Jesus will seem very, very small because of who he is. When you see him in all of his glory and the kingdom of God truly revealed, all of this is worth it. And he says, for what profit will it, or what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Wealth, fame, success, but he forfeits his soul. I want to spend just a couple of minutes and I'm going to talk about good but not safe. You know, can you imagine Jesus' words here? To the disciples, at least they got to see him. They walked with him. They talked with him. But imagine these words as we read them in today's environment to the church, to believers. Hey, if you want to follow Jesus, you got to deny yourself. 
I need you to take up your cross. And what I mean by that is be willing to endure whatever comes. I need you to believe in Jesus. I need you to conform to his examples, which means, listen, every day you're a Christian, you ought to look more like Jesus. If you don't look more like Jesus, it's probably not discipleship. If you're not getting better every day, it's probably not discipleship. And so we're, we're transforming our life to look like him and follow him. So, so here he says, and then if need be, suffering, perhaps dying, whether physically or in situations. Hey, but how many will receive Jesus? So, so can you imagine? Because that's not really how our churches look at times. Hey, you, you, you're struggling, and, and, and I get that every service, you, you're not going to walk up and give this invitation, but I do need you to know this is what the invitation entails. That lay down my life, pick up a cross, deny myself. That means say no to the things I love for the one that I love even more. See, it's, when, when I look at sin, people always say, man, I'm trying not to drink. I'm trying not to do this. I'm trying. Well, it's not really a sin problem. It's a love problem. I don't have to try not to have an affair with, my, uh, with someone or my wife. I just, I love my wife. And I stay in love with my wife. And guess what? Nobody else, they can't light a candle to my honey boo. Why? Because I love her. And realize sin is pulling you away from God. And so if you try to focus on, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. Well, that's really religion because grace, God gives us grace to, to, to be able to have his desire, his ability, his will. And so the more time I spend with him, the more grace I get in my life. And so God, I'm going to fall more in love with you. Well, then sin begins to fall off. Deny myself because I love him more. And I'm concerned with the church that we have created nothing more than Christian Buddhist. Therapeutic moral deism. You know, I've come to church for my best version of me. But the problem is it's still focused on you. Now, there is no good version of a dead person. It ain't I want to get better. No, it's I want to be alive. I don't want the best version of me. I want the version of Jesus. God, I want you. I, I give it all up for you. And so if we're not careful, it's like, well, what can I get out of it? No, 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 no. That's not what you signed up for. It's saying a social club. You don't just get to sign up and not sign up. And I get to go volunteer if I want to. They're lucky they get my membership dues, my ties. No, 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 baby. Look, Jesus don't need your money. Heaven ain't broke. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you, God does not have a money problem in heaven. I, I know I'm meddling. I'm so, Phyllis is like, calm down, Jim. We're in our new building. Calm down. I get so tired of it. It's like heaven ain't broke. We're lucky to partner with heaven in his assignment here on this earth. And when we do partner with God, blessings follow our life. But if we don't do it to get, I don't give to get, I give to give. And God, if you never give me another thing, I'll still do it. God, if you never do another thing, I'll still tithe. I'll still give offerings. I'll still show up and serve. I'll still come and give. I'll still be a part of your bride because I'm in love with you. See, we... We create a consumer mentality. It's like, and, and, and it's so natural for Americans because we're such consumers. But again, it's all about you. It's what you want, when you want, how you want it. Let me tell you, the church ain't Burger King. Come on. No, no. Well, why do you raise your hands? Because God likes it. 
Why do you sing those songs? Well, we feel like God likes them. Because we practice on Thursday, and I tell the team, come ready with four or five songs, and you play those songs, and whichever one the Holy Spirit falls on and the anointing falls on, those are the ones we sing. Why? Because we're, we're inviting God into our set list. God, what songs do you like? I think God has preferences in certain seasons. He's like, I'm doing this. I want y'all to sing that. I'm doing this. I'd like for you to sing that. And so the goal for worship, again, is not to tickle your ears or to play those licks and to do all the things. We have amazing musicians, and we've lost amazing musicians, and I'll tell you why. Because I won't let them do that. Why? Because the moment you shine, you're outshining God. Worship ought to be in a moment where it's like it's almost everything is oblivious except the presence and the power of God. And if that's not obvious, then we've missed it. It's not about a rift. It's not a drum solo. And I'm not saying there's never a moment in Christmas Eve services. Come on, we're doing little drummer boy. We got those moments. But this is a Sunday service. This is for God himself that we come and worship before the King of Kings and the Lord of lords and that means God it's all about you it's always been about you and it's always going to be about you why because he's worthy we don't create consumers we create disciples and I want you to know your best life is not an easy life it's a significant life significance and ease never go together you ask Dustin and Bob and Bill, which, hey, Bob, it's good to see you. I saw you over there, my brother. Uh, the guys that have been battling here, there ain't nothing easy about building churches. Dustin and Deb, you know, my heart goes out for you. I pray for you often. They own Paradigm. And Dustin said, my desire is to build churches everywhere God wants me to build churches. And so you better pray for these guys. Paradigm, they're not just a contractor. They're a partnership God brought together. Why? Because he's building his church. But I want you to know significance is not easy. There have been many a nights I've led my, my head on my pillow not knowing if I'd had the strength to get up. Been up for weeks. But here's the key. I always tell my, my team and people, look, at some point, just go to bed. Because what happens is we quit before we go to bed, but you didn't let God's grace fill your heart by the time you got up. Don't quit until the morning. Because by the time you get a little bit of rest and you get up, you're going to have enough strength for what? That day. Look, you're at the end of your day. The grace for that day is at the end. Don't ever make a big decision at the end of the day. Make it at the beginning. Why? Because that's when God's grace is fresh. God's grace is new. Why? It's new every single day. It's not easy. Look, look at what Paul uh, talks to Timothy. Look at, at verse two, chapter 2, verse 3. Endure suffering along with me as a what a good soldier this ain't a social club this is an army maybe that's how come we haven't been able to change the tide of america i wonder if we didn't create social clubs and call them a church but i wonder if there's a church that will rise up and say it ain't about the numbers in quantity but quality and as quality happens god says you lift me up jesus said, you lift me up i'll draw all men unto me so our job is the quality god's job is the addition Soldiers. So think about a soldier's mentality. See, I think we have vacation mentality in church. <laughs> Man, I don't even know if they're coming back, Phyllis. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. I'm just going to apologize right now. Social club, because, you know, it, it's, it's like, well, I didn't like that. I didn't like the way they did check-in in there. Okay, cool. 
I think they ought to have more people in the parking lot. I think they should have had four vans. Great. So here would be my thing. Everybody's got an opinion. The only ones that matter are the ones that are contributing. So why don't you jump in with us? Not the only ones. That's not right. Because if it's not right, we're going to fix it. But how many know sometimes people just got an opinion? And I think also when there is a gap, here's what the Lord spoke to me. Man, when there's gaps, even building this church, if it bothers you and nobody's filling that role, then you're the solution to that role. Because it don't bother everybody else. And if it does, if there's a group, it's like, hey, we all kind of, well, good. Why don't y'all find a solution and stop talking and do something? Why? Because this is our church. And that's where you got to just make up in your mind. We're either your church or you're not. Or, you know, because I'm going to offend you by something. Someone's not going to say something right. My mom, you know, my mom and dad did a lot of right things. One of the best things they ever did. We, we planted our feet in a church 20 plus years. We didn't like everything they did all the time, but you know what we, we knew? We weren't going anywhere. And man, there was something in the soil that turned our hearts. There was something in the soil that developed us, that the staying power. See, you think offense is because of that person. God is the one that allows things to happen because it's not about the person. God's working in you. God's doing something in you. And there's something inside it bothers. And that's okay. But God said, if you'll stay committed, I'll work it out. You'll get healthy, not toxic. You'll be better, not bitter. But you only stay because, look, soldiers don't have options. They don't get to say, well, I'm tired of boot camp. <laughs> Could you imagine? All right, sir, you don't have no McDonald's. He's like, McDonald's my butt. Get over here, boy. You know, but, but again, did we enlist? Did we, did we fall? And, and, hey, I'll take responsibility of anything I need to own. But I'm telling you right now, you're enlisting in an army. You joined this church. You're joining an army. So then it's like, okay, it ain't just about me. Yes, you're a part of it. We love you. We want you to come closer to Jesus. And we believe you will because here's what I know. When there's a hurting and dying world, they're looking for a place that's real, where God's presence is real, where power is real, where people are real. And here's what I'll tell you. The world may not like you, but they'll all hire you. Well, what you mean? Well, because they know you're integrous. You do what you say you're going to do. They know you're honest. They know you're compassionate. They know you're loving. They know you're kind because you look just like Jesus. They know they can talk about you and you'll stay faithful. You won't get bitter. And so they may say something, but they'll be like, hey, I'm, hey Kevin, you looking for a job, brother? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Isn't that what you want to be, the salt and the light? Then they got problems. Listen, I never met an atheist when someone had a real problem. It's funny how dire situations cause people who say they're atheists to start, hey, I wonder if that God is real. I can't tell you how many atheists have come in atheists and been converted to disciples. I didn't believe when I walked in the door. And that's why I said, I don't care if you believe. This ain't about you having to believe. God is beyond your doubt. He don't care about your doubt. We don't care about your doubt. I don't even care about your religious affiliation. I want you in the presence of Almighty God so that God can have an encounter with you. And when you have an encounter with God, there is nobody that can ever dispute it. <laughs> Second thought. Embrace pain as a part of, uh, embracing pain as part of being a disciple. I think we run from pain, we ought to embrace pain. It's not easy. We all walk through painful moments. But if you were signed up in a social club, you won't recognize that. You'll get mad at God. But in the army, it's like, okay, God, I lean into you. 
God, I need you. It's more of you. I'm going to go through these a little quick because here's, here's, here's one of the points that I want to. God is good, but he's not safe. There has, and I think this was created in that same movement of church growth and seeker movement started in 1961. It's really a lie. This, this, this phrase, watch. The safest place to be is in the will of God. How many have ever heard that? What a lie. Look, God is good, but he ain't safe. I'm reminded of the story of the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis is a great, great author, theologian. Uh, how many of you, ever, if you've ever seen the Chronicles of Narnia, it's really about these four kids that are transported to this magical kingdom. And uh, there's a lion, Aslan's in there, and he represents Jesus. So this whole story is a spiritual allegory of Christianity and Jesus. And so C.S. Lewis wanted to write a story for kids where they could understand spiritual truths in a deep way, but yet grab a hold of it. And I'm, I'm reminded of an interaction that happens with the children, and there's a pair of beavers. If you've watched it, you remember uh, th this interaction. And when they meet the beavers, the, they try to describe Aslan to them. Mr. Beaver tells Susan, I want to read, read the interaction because I thought it was so powerful. Mr. Beaver tells Susan, he is king of the wood and the son of great emperor beyond the sea. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great, great lion. Susan asks, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Miss Beaver responds, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And they went on to tell the children about Aslan and how Aslan, when he arrived, he would dispel the winter, bring in the spring, break the witch's curse, and bring new life. Isn't Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah? That when he comes, he is going to bring new life. He is going to usher in new life for each and every one of us. He's going to break the curse of fallen humanity, and he is going to dispel the darkness. That's Jesus. So he's telling the story. And when we think about, see, see when you think the safest place to be is in the will of God, just look at the arrival of Jesus. Jesus comes to this earth, Mary, Immaculate Conception, Holy Spirit fills Mary. Jesus is conceived. What happens? An insecure king pronounces murder for every child two years and younger. So through the arrival of Jesus, there's a mass genocide of children. Imagine Mary, Jesus' mother, watching her son die. She's raised him. She's loved him. And she is standing at the foot of the cross watching. What Isaiah says, he pronounced it as his visage was marred more than that of any other person. So in other words, nobody's ever been beaten. Nobody's ever been tortured. Nobody has ever been abused like Jesus. And that's what she is beholding. You tell me that's safe. Look at your life, because here, here's what will happen, right? God, I went to church, but it didn't work out. Why? 
Well, because I'm struggling in my marriage, my finances. I started tithing and I lost my house, okay? I've actually had someone say that. It was when we first started. I didn't really even know what to say because it's not me. that I'm not up to the results. God is. And here's what I know. Sometimes God is working on the motive and what we have cast up as an idol. So many times you're like, well, it happened like this for them. No, 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 no. When you get past the thing of discipleship is not because I got the benefit. It's because he said it. And if he wants to take it, he can have it. You ask Job if it's fair for all of your children to be murdered, for everything that you own to be taken away, all because you loved God, served God. And God is the one that said, hey, Satan, have you looked at my servant Job? I know some people like to call it Job, but it's Job. And Job is therefore put up to Satan to test. Don't tell me that's safe. But I still know this God is good. That in the midst of that, come on. That in the midst of everything that we face, the dangers, the struggles, the perils, the trials, even the midst expectation of when we thought we would do this, we lost that. Or look, look, look. What we understand is we got eternal life. And if nothing else in this world we attained, that is the greatest treasure of all. Why? Because I'm a soldier. I'm a follower. I'm a disciple. I'm not a fan. I'm not a consumer. I want to end with this passage, uh, scripture, and then I'm going to give you one statement. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. For those of you who came here today and you're struggling, and I don't intend, Eli, you, you come up. There he is. I, I don't pretend that everybody's had it easy. Look, if you're like us, we've all been fighting. Why? Because you're a part of this church. And what the enemy will tell you, you're the only one struggling in this, and you're the only one going through that, and you're the only. No, 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 no. There's a whole church full of people. You're in the right place. But I want to encourage you with what Paul, see Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. Uh, he's a little upset. He's been preaching, doing all that God asked him to do. And then here he is. He, he's, he's pleading with God. He's praying just like many of us. God save my marriage. God save my, my finances. God save this. God, whatever our plea is. And there is what they, the Bible calls a thorn in his side. And really we know it was a demonic oppression, whether physical or not. We don't know, but we know it was causing him pain. And he's praying, God, take it away from me. Can you imagine Paul's written more than half the New Testament. He is the, the super apostle. If God hears anybody's prayers, come on, it ought to be Paul's. Paul, God's like, no, 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 no. Look at what he says. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Think about that. Why, why would he say that? Why would God say that? God, God, I'm asking you to fix it. I'm asking you to calm the storm. Sometimes he wants you to go through the storm. He don't remove every storm. I wish he did. He don't. Why'd they die? That, man, only God knows. We pray for healing until, they, until the last breath. Why'd he pass? We've been believing. I don't know. Why'd he heal them? I don't know. But God is good. But what we know is the reason it says his grace is sufficient, his power is made perfect, it's made when we're weak and we need to depend on him. That's the situation. So the situations, God could easily remove everything, but he's like, I want you to, I want you to walk with a limp, a limp. You know, I, I need you to have, like, you got to lean on me. I need, if you could do it all, you wouldn't need me. 
And then here's the other deal. It's the testimony to the world, right? How could you go through that and still love God? How could you walk through that and still believe? How could you go through that and still tithe and still fight that battle? And you just say, because God is good. He saved me. Oh, well, I don't understand that. Well, why don't you come to church? Let, 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 me, let me come experience what I've experienced. Lead them to, to Jesus right there, whatever it is. But that's, it's our life being the salt and the life where it would have broken others. Now it here creates a platform for God to be glorified. And look at what he says. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Look, I messed up. I'm frail, broken. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardship and persecution and difficulties. For when I'm weak, he is strong. God's grace, his power, it's really made perfect in weakness. And I want to challenge us because you come to church and I know you see me and our staff and our team. You think everybody's perfect. Look, we're not perfect. We have struggles. We have battles. We're clean. You know, I always tell my team, live clean, live close. People say, well, God feels distant. Maybe you gave your life to God, but if you'll leave, live clean, don't watch all that stuff. Don't listen to all that. Don't do all that. You don't have to feel like you got to repent every day. You just live clean. I don't watch that. I don't listen to it. Could I? Yeah, grace would allow me. But we don't sin more because of grace. God forbid is what Paul said. No, we get closer to God because of grace. And I believe God celebrates our progress, not perfection. Imperfect people getting better. He loves to use imperfect people. I, I was just listing a few things that I thought here. Ch check out just the, here's, here's the resumes of God's champions. Abraham, he was too old. Somebody feel like I'm old, you're in the right place because you're not too old. You got breath in your lungs, you found the right spot. There's a spot for you. We're gonna advance, just link arms, let's do it. Elijah, he was suicidal. You ever felt suicidal? God, I just don't know. God used him. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Samaritan woman, she was divorced. But just, you, you just, we go all throughout the Bible. And I love the fact that Rahab is actually in the lineage of Jesus. The prostitute is in the lineage of God himself. That God is in the business of redeeming what the world would discard. And that's one of the things I, I love about our dream team. Phyllis and I were walking around this weekend getting ready, and one of the dream teamers said, you know, before I came here, I felt I had been discarded. Totally left alone, nobody wanted me. I came here, I found a home. She's actually serving next door in our next-gen auditorium running the Pro Presenter. And I love it, why? Because see, you can think, well, when you look at her, she's full of smiles, she'll hug you, and you say, oh, well, she's perfect. No, 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 no. She became a disciple regardless of the imperfection. She started to make a difference regardless of all the challenges and the, the oh yeah, I'll do it when you're perfect. You're never gonna be perfect when you're good enough. None of us are good enough. Look, we, look, he's ready right now for disciples to follow right now, to live right now, to give right now, to be Jesus to this world that's hurting and broken and dying and going to hell. And while you're putting yourself together, the world is falling apart. So can we just get in mission with God? Father, we thank you for what you're doing. God, I'm asking you, do what only you can do. God, you're raising up a church today. We celebrate you. We celebrate what you have done. We celebrate the 
miracle that we've walked in, but God, we recognize this as yours. It's your tool. Do whatever you want with it. We're your tools. God, we're your vessels. We are the ones that God, you fill up. The church is not a building as people. So God, we're asking you, help us. You know, even right now, I wonder if some of you, just as God is in this place, I feel as maybe you feel like maybe I was a fan. Maybe I have been a consumer. Right now is a great time for us to just repent. Talk to God. God, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Some of it's just, I didn't know. And that's where as pastors, we have to just take responsibility. Now you know. And when you know, then there has to be a change. That's what repentance is. Repentance is I'm going in this direction and there is a change. Because if it's not a change, it's not repentance. It's, it's just, I'm sorry. You ever had someone say, I'm sorry, but they didn't change? That's not repentance. Repentance is God, I acknowledge it. My, the best advice my mom gave me growing up when I would find myself, I, I do it all the time. When God highlights something, it's not for me to feel condemned. I just say, God, I recognize that I, was, I had it wrong. And God, I repent. I need your grace, which is your power, your desire. Change my life, change my ways. That's what we're doing. Dad, would you just stand up? Just talk to him. Father, we thank you. Don't leave just yet. Don't, everybody stay here. We'll close in just a second. Father, we thank you. Just tell him, God, I love you. God, I praise you. Come on, respond to him. This is your response. God, you are good. God, you are worthy. God, you are holy. If you, if you never do another thing for us, you're worthy. We give our lives to you. God, every day we come afresh. We come anew. God, we say, God, we give all of us to all of you. Fill our hearts with your passion. Fill our hearts with you, God. Come on, let's sing this. discipleship message but you find yourself stirred you find yourself something on the inside it's like I want to be a part of that you find yourself lost you found the right place and I forget I mean it's February 7 2003 I was strung out on drugs 12 30 at night in my house, Phyllis and I we were partying. God showed up. Didn't even respond in a moment like this. Never been the same. 
And this is what I said. I just want to create moments where people can experience what I experienced. This is your moment. You know if you're lost. You know if you're separated. Maybe you backslidden. You know, they just got busy, got distracted. I want you to know this is the time we recommit. Recommit. God, I'm going all in. Forget the past. It doesn't matter. I, I, I literally went to bed full of drugs. God delivers me. Five hours had a visitation. I woke up. I was totally different. Hey, I thought you did drugs. Now I'm different. So it didn't matter what happened yesterday or last week or last month. This is a moment of life change. You walk out of here, you're not even the same. It's like, man, not a, yep, not, not that person. That's your moment right here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, just a prayer of salvation, surrender, and we're going to celebrate. That you just say, Jesus. In fact, just the whole church say, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you. I give all of me to all of you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash away my past. Right now, I receive your gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 